we different today. We're going to do a, an interview, a little bit of preaching, a little bit of talking with an apostle. We're starting a series of uh, Jesus gifts, the Jesus, excuse me, the gifts that Jesus gave to men. And uh, I thought about preaching this next week, but I said, we got a missionary here who is an apostle, and uh, we're just going to talk about being an apostle, but, uh, you know, and what that means and what it means to you and why you need to hear uh, from an apostle and catch a vision of what God's doing. So we're going to play some videos with Global Ventures. This is their 25th year in ministry. We'll let him tell some of that. But let's play some videos of them right quick. Four billion. That's how many people have never heard the gospel one time. Most of these people live in the 1040 window, an area that spans across Northern Africa, the Middle East, into Southern Asia. This region primarily consists of Hindus, Muslims, and Buddhists with little to no access to the gospel, a church, or even a Bible. Despite this overwhelming need, the 1040 window has less missionary activity than anywhere else. Global Ventures exists to change that. Our mission is to initiate a global evangelism movement by raising up an army of frontline harvesters. Through our combined efforts, we aim to see one billion souls come to Christ in our lifetime. All of you that said that prayer, wave real big at me tonight. We organize large-scale mission projects where believers from all walks of life experience hands-on ministry through children's outreaches, innovative evangelism, and citywide festivals. We also aid impoverished communities through food drives and clean water initiatives. In order to duplicate our efforts, we establish churches in unreached areas and train pastors and leaders to disciple new believers. At our ministry headquarters, we train and equip a new generation of harvesters through intensive programs like our Global Ventures School of Missions. Through this approach, we have seen millions of people come to Christ as we continue forward toward our goal. Join us in making the ultimate difference in someone's life as we take the gospel further than ever before. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God's holy son. Make me a child of God.
just finished a food distribution here at a local dump. These people come here early in the morning and late in the afternoon so that they can gather whatever comes in off of the trucks. Our team was able to present the gospel here like we would anywhere else in town. And honestly, the cool thing was just watching the looks on their faces of hope. We talked about Jesus being the light of the world, and this is exactly where he would be. Truly a moving experience today here in Kishida. When we came to this home, this lady was sitting on her bed, found out that she was paralyzed on her whole left side of the body, and she could barely move her arm and couldn't walk. And so we prayed with her. She said, okay, pick me up. I want to take even if it's just two steps. And so we started walking with her. And she said, I feel stronger and I can move my arm better. suffered with cataracts for four years. The doctor said she was gonna have to have surgery. Tonight, the cataracts have gone. Now she's weeping for joy. Praise the Lord. Isn't that awesome? God is so good, so good to be back at Legacy Church. Thank you, Pastor, Amen. for having us in. And, man, God is just pouring out around the nations. And this is definitely not the hour to be still or, or to say, well, one day way out in the future, if you've ever had missions stirring your heart, it's not the hour to say, well, one day way out there I'll go because he is moving like never before out around the planet. With all the world's gone through the last couple of years, people are looking for the truth and are looking for the answers at an all-time high. I've never seen it and I, at this level, and I've grown up in this thing all my life. Generationally, have, uh, have our families have known the Lord, and so this is the hour to mobilize. And so if you have a stirring, that final video was just of what God did this summer. I mean, from mayors of two cities in Peru welcoming us with the medallions of their city hanging around my neck and, and just giving us car blanche to over in Europe, in Romania, we had the equivalent pastor of like Romania's U2, if you've ever heard of that singing group out there uh, from Ireland. The cool thing is God does this. It's, it's multiple times this has happened. The group there, um, I won't try to say their name because it's more Romanian, but they've been together 24 years, original band members, uh, the lead singer, a pristine voice. He was married to the former president's daughter. But how many know success, fame, fortune doesn't compare to having an encounter with Jesus? He hit the wall, and he, when he hit the wall, he hit it hard. Crashed and burned, went through a horrible divorce uh, with that former uh, wife. 
but then he found Jesus. Mm. And now in his concerts, he has a whole uh, song or two he's written about how a changed man. So it was all we could do to keep him from just going off and preaching because he was setting the stage. He drew the crowds in, that group, and then set the stage for us to preach the gospel in a city down in the south that's less than 1% born again. And the government gave us their city center. They've never even allowed the Orthodox Church, which reigns supreme historically in Romania, to have that city center. But they gave it to Global Ventures. We put on an incredible production and right smack dab in the middle, shared Jesus as the only way, truth and the life. And so many were born again as a result. It's the day of harvest Amen. around the world. If you want to come out, there's a slide going up right now to show the trips that we have coming up this next year. There they are, Thailand, Paraguay. There's two weeks uh, to Paraguay. If you're going to pick one of the two, for sure, come week one. You can come both weeks. Uh, Indonesia, we only recommend that for maybe a little more advanced travelers. And Cambodia. But the first two, Thailand and Paraguay, are wide open even to bring families. And they're absolutely awesome. Wanted just to show, you know, we have a just a, a privilege for me. My wife doesn't get to travel much with me stateside. Stand up real quick, Martine. Just give a big wave. I've told her about Legacy Church and all you guys do. We'll, we'll show our family at this time if you can pull up that picture of our family, our boys there. We just had a, a graduate go to college, and he's on your left. That's our Andrew, our oldest. And he's going to Oral Roberts University, one of my alma maters. He is on a, a, a real good scholarship package because he was straight A's, but more for his running because he um, not only had incredible times but he was voted uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in cross-country running for the whole entire state of Oklahoma. And then while we were in Brazil this summer, he was voted by Tulsa World and our whole region of Oklahoma, not only best cross-country runner, but athlete of the year out of all sports. It came along with a gift, uh, a scholarship-type type gift. I believe when you raise kids in the way of the Lord, you raise them to be champions under the Lord and by the Lord and through the Lord. And then David, our man, I mean, he is a football bruiser. He's in his senior year on um, just to the right of me. And he had his fourth game Friday night against one of the toughest teams they'll face this season. They're two classes higher and larger than Little Lincoln Christian Willie George's school at Church on the Move in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they blew him away. They beat him. Strong is one touchdown win. But it was a big win for him. It was awesome. Great and mighty things that God's doing in David's life. I had him, we had him at camps, 10 different camps in between our mission trips all over the United States, trying out from all the way out west, Air Force, all the way out here out east, Navy, and a bunch of schools in between. God's good. He's going to do great and mighty things. We want to just uh, invite you. Let me see. I think I have one or two other slides to show you. If you just pull up that next slide. Oh, School of Missions, we launched that uh, a year ago. Our second class starts this coming week. If you have a deeper yearning for the world, check that out, and then we'll pull up that next slide. The Go Initiative, here at the 25-year mark, God's put more on our heart to mobilize next-gen missionaries at all-time highs. So we've got a whole push that we're doing, and it's not coincidental that we unveiled this in the spring. Your church, your pastor, your church, was one of our sponsors and actually sponsored a whole table for that event. Very, very special. And so we want to say a huge thank you from the bottom of our heart. Right out of the gates, God confirmed the GO initiative because this summer to Brazil, 
In that one week, we mobilized more short-term missionaries than we ever have in any single week trip in the history of the ministry. 102 strong down to Brazil in the most religious area in all the north, a town of about 80 to 100,000 people. We didn't understand why it was so difficult to have a friend that's Brazilian that does crusades. He said, they won't let me in there. I've never been able to do a crusade. And basically, we found out that people, a million to three million every year, do a pilgrimage through that little city and pour out big money, crawl on their knees, carry heavy weights, all the way down this kind of row trying to earn penance. A statue of, of one of the old saints, 102 feet tall, they'll do offerings to it in order to try to appease and uh, glean a miracle. How many know God knew exactly the, all that was going on in that town? For every foot tall of that statue, he sent, I had no idea, so I got in the city and the Spirit of God spoke in my heart. John, I responded from heaven by sending 102 on your team. One missionary for every foot tall of that demonic statue to unleash my glory and goodness on the earth. Mm-hmm. Listen, if you want to know more about anything we're doing or the Go Initiative, you can see videos the next screen. We'll pull up uh, just a QR code. Um, if you want to join in, just take a quick picture of that or you can go to the back table. But You'll be able to check that out at our website. And we invite you, if you want to come um, around the world, uh, don't hesitate. Grab information at uh, the product table, and we would love. We love folks like Legacy Church that already get what this whole thing's about. It's about knowing him and making him known, right? And known in his power, the power of his resurrection, not just a watered-down version of some religious uh, angle of Christianity. Knowing him intimately, knowing him in his power. It's what this whole thing's about. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. So if you need sermon notes, wave at the ushers. They, they've got, got them back there. We're going to dig in and uh, the gifts. So, so and, uh, we're going to start reading in Ephesians 4, 7. I'm going to ask them some questions. And uh, you can ask them some questions after the service. And even tonight at 630, he'll be at my equip class uh, for people who want to go a little deeper in things. But uh, And uh, before I dive into this, if I decide to go, is it safe? It is 100% safe. Uh, by God's grace and goodness, we've mobilized pastor uh, 2,700 plus people, and there's never been a major incident out on the field by the grace of God. And I just so felt like I need to ask we, that. We, we vet that. Out here. We send our setup team uh, to set it up, but then we send them in three, four weeks after the setup trip, three, four weeks before you arrive. They've tried every meal that you'll eat. They've vetted the clean. We get high-end clean bottled water. From A to Z, even down to the hotel beds, we don't believe in taking short-termers out and, and making you suffer. We believe the better we keep you, the better you're able to encounter God and make him known. So all those things are covered. All Great right. question. Good deal, good deal. Well, in Ephesians 4, 7, uh, it says, uh, this is talking about Jesus. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Can you say Grace. You've, you've received grace, God's unlimited favor and grace to be a believer. And so, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And so, we're going to look at apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and why, why do I need an apostle in my life? Why do I need a prophet in my life? Why do I need a pastor? And so, uh, we're going to talk about that. Would you read Ephesians 4, uh, 11 through 13? Yes, sir. And he gave some apostles and some prophets 
and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, as a saint and a believer, we have to do the ministry. You're looking up here at me to do everything, but we're not. We're supposed to train you, and you need an apostle in your life to help train you and give you a vision, things like that to go. What else would we need an apostle in our life for? You know, uh, really, really, I believe to connect to the world. Uh, God really has a mandate on the church that started 2,000 years ago when Jesus said, Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, and those that believe, they'll be saved. When I was a 12-year-old boy, I began to connect with the nations by listening to an apostle. I didn't realize that's what he was. It was what it was, Lester Summerall. And as I listened to him tell his encounters from around the world, it caused the world to be planted, actually to grow in my heart to the point I was like, I'm going to go all over this globe. I'm going to go to any nation I possibly can and preach the gospel. I believe we need apostolic impartation so that we can be more world Great Commission Christians because it didn't say he just for God so loved a city or a town or even a nation. It was for God so loved the world. Mm -hmm. That's good. So uh, I just want to throw in something before we go to number one. Uh, all these gifts were give, given to serve. We're servant leaders. We're leaders, but we're not lords. One Lord, Jesus. Okay? And so if anybody in say, well, I'm an apostle, and they're trying to make you do something, they're, they're not, they're not uh-uh, that's not right. And as a pastor, I don't tell you how many kids to have and what color car to buy. You see that. That's wrong. And so we're servant leaders. Yeah, we're leaders, but we, we're, we lead to serve and not to be in, just in charge, you know. So, uh, and that's what I love about Brother John right here. He's a, an apostle, but he's such a servant, and you can tell. Uh, you can tell by just listening to him. So let's go to number one. Uh, what is an apostle? And so um, I've got, uh, you want to you wanna dive in on that? I'm going to let you do, do take that. Basically, at, at the original language, when it says apostle, the basic meaning is a sent one. And Jesus, being the chief of all apostles, he was the greatest sent one, right? Mm -hmm. From heaven up above down to this earth. And I love what mm -hmm. pastor, I couldn't agree more. If we're not servant leaders, then we're not like the master. And we've got to be like him because there's none greater than him, right? Mm -hmm. And he came to, to serve, uh, to serve all. And so uh, a sent one at its basic root is, is what an apostle is, someone that's called and sent, and they're sent with a message from God for the blessing of the world, the blessing of the body and the blessing of the world and reaching the lost. So, so, so let me, uh, I think it was Rick Renner, I can't remember. He's a Greek scholar, and he said the Greek word apostle means uh, uh, like an envoy sent to represent somebody. So let's, let's talk about Rome for a second. When Rome came in and took over a town, they sent the army in, they beat everybody down, then they sent an apostle. You don't use that term. They sent an apostle to change the city and change the culture to match Rome. 
He's going to cities to change the culture to match Jesus. He's putting the Rome-built roads so they could travel and do things. Paul walked on all those Roman roads to every city preaching the gospel. But they, they built buildings that looked like, they said, we got to prepare. If Caesar comes, he, we want him comfortable. We want these buildings to look like Rome. When Jesus comes, we want us to look like Jesus. We want Jesus to be ready to come get us, right? Come on. And so he's going around the world as a pastor. It's my heart for every one of us to be like Jesus as much as we can. And it says to go to perfection is really maturity. And he's going around the world. And I need you to catch that vision because we're to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And that is a vision. You know, I've talked to people that have never left this town. And they ask me, why would you leave? I'm like, okay. Because it's a whole big world out there. Anyway, God will give you a vision for the world. And you know what? He may be calling some people after this service today. He may put this in your heart. And you need to start developing some things. So, so it's a sent one. You got that? So let's go to number two. There are more than the first 12 apostles. Well, there's some teaching out there that the apostles, the 12, and it was that was it and no more. Well, I, I got some scripture to just really mess you up if you believe that way. Yeah, those first 12 were special. But there are other apostles and, and, and sent ones. And so uh, you elaborate on Luke 9, 1, and then just read that. And Absolutely. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. The beautiful thing of what Pastor was just saying, the 12 were very uh, instrumental and very foundational. They were called the apostles of the Lamb. And no one can take their spot. They're no longer apostles of the Lamb in the sense of replacing the 12. And I would even say Paul right behind the 12 because those apostles wrote the canon of Scripture for us today. How many know the canon sealed? We're not still writing. There's not apostles that are still writing. But there are apostles in the body and in the world to exemplify the manifestation of God, like we read from Ephesians, in the church. And so one of the things that he did with the 12, but he didn't start with, stop with the 12, was he sent them forth to do that very thing, to exemplify the glory and the goodness of heaven towards mankind. Remember when the angel said there's going to be a, a baby born in Bethlehem, they sang praises, goodwill towards men. God has goodwill towards all of humanity. And it's seen when the good news is preached by his people. You don't have to be an apostle to preach the good news, but a true apostle ought to give us the representation of how to proclaim the good news gospel with corresponding signs and wonders. The casting out or the breaking of, of evil spirits' power over people, and then definitely healing miracles, signs, and wonders because Jesus, Hebrews 13, 8, says he's the same, what, yesterday, today, and forever. So he's still working through his apostles and his, all his fivefold gifting as well as believers to do the same today. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, as he read that, whenever you read, it says sent, that's the verb for apostle. And he sent them. That's the verb. He sent the apostles. So he sent them. And then uh, in Luke 9, 10, I think, that's where they first called apostles. The apostles came back. 
and talked about it. So uh, as you look at that, the 12 disciples, and you know, in one, one uh, of the gospels, he said to preach the kingdom of God is at hand. I want to remind you, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's not in heaven, it's at hand. Come on, we're not trying to get God to come down and do something. The kingdom of God's right here. It's in you. And it's at hand for you to present it to other people. Woo, we, we need to present the gospel. So Luke 10, 1, uh, and it says, After these things, the Lord appointed 70 other. Wait a minute, he had 12. Where did, he, where did these other 58 come from? And some translations say 72, so it'd be 60. Where did these other people come from? The people like me, me and you. And he sent them out. And so look, he said, and others, uh, 70 others also, and he sent them two by two before his face to every city and place uh, where he himself was about to go. So they were preparing the way for Jesus. A lot of times, you know, you go to a country and you're just preparing the way. Then next year, it really, they show up. Isn't that right? I remember when we first pastor went to Bangladesh, no one we could find from America was going in and doing mass evangelism projects at all. We found one man, a Scandinavian, from the Scandinavian countries that was going in and doing smaller crusades among the minority groups, like Hindus, but not among the majority groups, Muslim. We went in and targeted Muslim areas and did mass evangelism projects. In the final night, over 15,000 Muslims packed out this most uh, Islamic area, and they received the gospel, the good news, openly. Many were born again. Many were healed. It was very, very interesting. We were the first that we knew of and heard of to do that. A few years later, that very city, Kulda, we looked up. Someone sent it to me and said, look who is preaching, and it almost looked like the exact grounds we were on. I don't know if it was true or not. It was a woman preacher, actually really gifted to be a teacher, it was Marilyn Hickey. Anybody ever heard mm -hmm. of Sister Marilyn Hickey? Mm -hmm. And I thought that very thing, Lord, you're so good. We were allowed, Global Ventures, to pioneer the way. No other ministries were going in from the states. And here a few years later, years before, in my college summer, I, I attended her, her husband's church and her church up in Denver. Uh, and I thought, this is just so fitting that um, she is now doing a crusade and seeing thousands come to Jesus as well. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. That's awesome. And so, so just, just really uh, in Acts 14, 14, when the, uh, and it says, when the apostles, Barnabas, wait, wait a minute, they called Barnabas an apostle because he was a sent one too. And then I'm going to mess your mind up in Romans 16, 7, it says, Andronicus and Junius, I believe, that's a woman, called her an apostle. Okay, just let that marinate just for a minute. You know, there's two scriptures about women need to be silent, ones be silent, and not this, that, and the other, but there are, that, that's, that's, I think that's mistranslated, so uh, misconnected, because women can preach and teach, and women, she goes, hey, you got, uh, a lady was a judge in the Old Testament, her husband was a general, and he said, you're going with me, because I need to hear the voice of God. Listen, he wasn't a general by education. He was a general because he proved himself on the battlefield, and the men said, we want to follow him. He was brave and strong, but he goes, I need God. And he took his wife, who was a judge. So, so you know, let's don't limit yourself, ladies, and men, let's don't limit ladies because 
without ladies, we probably wouldn't have a church in America because men don't step up. I'm going to just say it. And, and so let's all step up and, and do what we're called to do. Just and to add something to that, ahead. Pastor. I would not be in ministry to the degree I am and Martine as well without lady ministers. My grandmother on my mom's side had an encounter with God, and she was called to preach, had a vision of heaven and hell, was supposed to die. God healed her shortly after that vision, and she she didn't know what to do because half the people of her day, my area of Arkansas, the area we come from, our, our family, our people, said if you preach as a woman, you're going to go to hell. The other half said if you don't preach, you're going to go to hell. And her secular doctor didn't even know God that well, but he said, woman, I know people that have never experienced what you experienced in the vision you had. You better not care what people think. You better care what God thinks. And God showed her from the scripture that the first person to carry the death, burial, and resurrection message was Mary Magdalene mm -hmm. to the apostles of the mm -hmm. Lamb. God used a woman that had been possessed with seven devils even but was free and was his. And so I couldn't agree more. We need to honor Martine's mama is really the predominant vocal gift in their church as pastor, it's one of the largest churches to the French of Quebec, Canada. It's amazing. Couldn't agree more. Mm. So, so my question as we finish this, we're going through this, are you a sent one? Have you ever thought about it? Are you a sent one? Are you sent to teach at school? Are you sent to run a business? Are you sent to work at Walmart? Are you sent? I've been sent to jobs, and I thought it was to make a living because I got kids I got to feed. And when somebody got saved, the Lord said, that's why I sent you. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know I was sent. But you're, wherever you go, wherever you work, you're sent. So start changing your thinking that you are a sent one and that you're called by God. And is he preparing you? Are you preparing you? Because as sent ones, you know what? You're sent to your spouse. You're sent. Those kids are. at the most, and then I don't see them. I speak into them, but it's one year after those 18. Just think about that. They're sent to you, and you're sent to them, and we need to be preparing uh, for different jobs, what we're called to do. So number three, apostles uh, help us to be sent, and, and we're trained for the work of the ministry. So uh, a reason, if, read Ephesians 4, 12, and 13. 4, 12, and 13 of Ephesians for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so you know, what jumps out to me is you read, if you go home today and read Ephesians 4, it starts off, there's one God, there's one baptism, there's one thing. He's trying to bring unity because you got the Baptist over here and you got the Episcopalians over there and you got the Catholics over here and we can't come together because y'all just not, y'all don't smell like us, don't look like us. But you know what? If you believe in Jesus and you're following Jesus, come on, we can walk together and, and have unity. And that's what the body of Christ, the devil keeps us in division. When, you know, you're going to these countries, you're going to different, and they don't believe like you. They don't sing the same songs we do. 
And some of y'all mad because we don't sing the songs you want sung. And I was thinking about that this week. When we get to heaven, it ain't going to be like you've ever seen it before because eye has not seen, ear has not heard. And you say, I just want it to be like that. It ain't going to be that way. It's going to be the way God wants it. And we're going to have fun with it. And so let's have fun with it. So what I want to do is, is you talk about your school. God had led you to train people. You've been trained. And, and you went to school and just kind of name some of the schools and training you've done in your school. You know, uh, the schools that Martine and I, I'll kind of throw them, batch them together, or Roberts University, we both went to Rama separate times, Kenneth Hagin School. Uh, Martine went to a missions finishing school after she went to Willie George's School for Youth and Children down at Church on the Move. And then she did an internship and worked with his key leaders up close. I'll say a little bit more about that because... That's so vital. But then she finished off going to a mission school called the Mata, three-month just sending school intensive, uh, really made and designed for if you already had some degree of college or Bible school, kind of that finishing, launching school. And I believe we need uh, elements um, from all of what I named. If you don't go to a major school, you can learn so much in the local church. You can do it extra courses or the program like this afternoon that's being done here. I, I so, so endorse as well getting up close to leaders and learning hands-on under them. And you can't do that without a servant-like heart, a submitted heart. Because I learned certain things at Oral Roberts University and Rama and the Bible schools that we named. But the greatest things I learned is then when I got under who God assigned me to, serving Tom Newman at Impact Productions. We were geared, the whole ministry was geared to helping reach a sight and sound generation. I learned how to call churches and pastors working under that man's vision, and that helped me go forward in launching one day Global Ventures so that I could connect with pastors and churches. Then I worked with Ron Luce. I would take my vacation time from Impact Productions, working with Tom Newman, would read, lead with Ron Luce, one of the largest non-interdenominational uh, missions organizations at the time, taking teenagers and leaders all over the planet. That was the training and stepping stones to me learning how to facilitate and lead large, group, large groups. I wouldn't be able to do what we're doing today if I hadn't submitted to Teen Mania and worked, submitted to Ron Luce's vision. But it went on from there. God wanted me to learn how to do and us to learn how to do mass crusade evangelism. I submitted to Jerry O'Dell. He had been T.L. Osborne's right-hand man for over 16 years and took it next level in plans like the India Harvest Plan. He connected me to a true apostle, Sam Chelladry in India, and working in that plan, I saw the true fruit of an apostle. An apostle helps others step into their calling and assignment from the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. The fruit also of apostle is not only individual relational, it's also organizational or uh, establishing churches and ministries. Something about the earmark of an apostle is churches will flow out of that, ministries will flow out of that, people will rise up into their ministry giftings and be other pastors, apostles, evangelists, teachers, prophets, because they have a heart after Jesus and it's that he be glorified through others. And this work is too great for any Lone Ranger, any heroism. 
Uh, people that say it's all about me, no, it's all about him, and we've got to have as many hands on deck as possible. Mm-hmm. That, that's awesome. So, so, so explain a little bit about your school, in case we've got so some teenagers in here who want to go. Uh, we launched a school pastor, and I appreciate you highlighting it. Uh, for 15 years, we trained people in a three-year program called CORE, an intensive, uh, hands-on, up-close mentorship, internship, that also uh, we had some class sessions in teaching. And the Lord just dealt with Martine about two and a half years ago, said, you got to go farther faster with the next generations. And so we boiled the best down from all three years and packed it into six months, three-month semesters, September to December, and then we get people back mid-January and go to April, end of April, and then we launch out all across the world with them. Or Roberts University had given us an accreditation agreement because they said, we like what you're doing, we believe in it. And they said, you're going to do this, we're going to honor what we had. You can get a whole semester of credit. It's like a $20,000-plus value coming just for a couple of thousand, two and a half thousand dollars, coming and learning from us directly, our staff directly, and then cutting edge fivefold gifts, giftings that come through that share about how to practically and spiritually do this thing around the world or uh, right at home as well. How many know the world starts at your front doorstep? So you take the principles of winning the world to Jesus. A lot of our towns, even if they're small, and I come from a small town similar to, to this town, uh, man, we're having people from all over the nations, all among us. And if you don't know how to relate to a Hindu, a Buddhist, a Muslim, uh, just a couple Friday nights ago, we were in Jones, Oklahoma, and I pulled up a convenience store. We had to drive up to Kansas to watch Andrew run his first college race. We watched David play that Jones game. And there were two beautiful, dark, darker-skinned people behind the register, beautiful young man and his older sister. And I knew they had to either be from India or somewhere in that area of the world. They were from Nepal. And, man, my heart began to pour out. I got out and finished the gas, jumped in the car, and I said, baby, I can't leave without sharing Jesus. I walked back in. It meant I had to pay for three or four people's bills coming through because they were buying Cokes and honey buns and stuff like that, but it was worth me purchasing their, you know, uh, eats and everything so that I could share the gospel with that young man. Do you know a such and such church advertised in the football game, hey, come to our fifth quarter right after just down past the football field at our large facility? And do you know when I asked that young man, has anyone shared this story of who Jesus is and what he's done for you? That young man said no. I said, you mean to tell me? I just heard him say something about a church at the ball game. He said, no, you're the first one to ever share. We've got to learn how to reach the world that's all around us, whether Hindu, Buddhist, Muslim, or good old-fashioned American. We've got to learn how to share Jesus and not just stop here, but like Pastor said, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And God's end game, which we're in right in the middle of, Matthew 24, 14, all nations, all ethnos must hear the gospel before all people groups, before the end comes. Come to Global Ventures. Go to uh, missions.school. Am I saying it right, Martine? Missions.school. And you can learn all about the school. But we want to train you in power and send you out. Um, in, in, are we being live streamed right mm -hmm. now? Okay. We're going to an area in Asia. I won't say where because the government isn't too thrilled about folks like us coming. But we're using a strategy 
where we're going to get in with my graduates. And I am so blessed to tell you when we leave in October, be praying for us. I'm not, for the first time ever, I'm not going to preach, preach a lick to the masses. I'll inspire our team by talking to them. I'm letting our graduates tackle the crusades. We're paying and doing the heavy lifting, but they're raising a little bit for their individual crusades. Seven or, seven or eight of our graduates are doing about eight crusades, and it's a, a, a capstone moment for them out among truly the unreached that have never heard the gospel. And because we believe, I was trained hands-on with Jerry O'Dell, Sam Chelagra. We believe in giving the next generation the hands-on training, real-time opportunity. That's where true coaching and mentorship happens in ministry. And so uh, that's just a little bit about the school. So, so just to add what he said, when I was a kid, back in 1813, uh, 70% of children went to church. Today, 4%. What? And they'll go, that's a church. I know what it is. I've never been to one, but I hear they're pretty mean in there. I hear they're pretty mean in there. Come on, we got to represent Jesus. And we, 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 we're called, we're sent ones. Go make disciples. That just wasn't for the apostles. That's for everybody. And so here's, here's a question. Uh, number four is there's a process between the call and the send. Uh, when did you feel the calling and when were you sent? Man, that is such a great, great uh, thing to look at. Pastor, I, I received the calling at age 12 or was made aware of what God called me to do from my mother's womb, Jeremiah, first chapter. It talks about that. Age 12, riding down the road, dad popped in a cassette back in the day of Lester Summerall sharing his encounter that he had with God, seeing the world walk the road of life and the beautiful people of the world fall off the cliff into the flames of hell because no one had ever told them the gospel. And God spoke to him and said, they're your responsibility. Look down. He said, their blood's required at your hand. Right out of Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 18 through 20, somewhere running there. And he saw the blood of the nations running through his hands. I knew right then I have that assignment to go to those precious people. Do you know I began to train, and I didn't do my first mission trip till I was age 20. And I went with ORU undercover to China teaching English. I prepared, though, by sitting under my parents' instruction, learning the Word of God from Dad, learning the Word of God, listening to other tapes, Kenneth E. Hagan, Lester Summerall, Oral Roberts, you know, TL, the list goes on and on and on. But then preaching where I was given opportunity. My grandmama had a nursing home ministry. I went in and said, I'll preach to the old folks in the nursing home. I began to simply be faithful with what was right in my hand and right before me. Remember God told Moses, what do you have in your hand? Do something with what God has put in your heart with what's right in front of you and submit to others that are further down the road running with God as unto the Lord. If you can't submit to others that are already down the road as unto the Lord, then you can't fulfill the ultimate call of God on your life. I'm just telling you right here now. At church camp, I remember they'd ask for volunteers to mop the floor. I was the first to say, I'll mop the floor. I'll help out. I just want to be a part of whatever God's doing. It doesn't care. I don't care my reputation. I just want to be used by God. We need that level. All of us, none of us are exempt from humility and servant-like task in the body of Christ because it's all about him, and it's all about precious souls that will go to a devil's hell forever if we don't serve him 
with love one for another, preferring our brother and our sister on our right and left. If we prefer our brother and sister right and left, we better prefer those that labor and faithful that have been leaders and proven faithful that are guard, guardians of our souls is what the Scripture says. And so I continued to submit. All the men that I named before, I continued to submit to them. But even now, we mutually submit one to another. When I come in and out of and get the privilege of ministering uh, with uh, men of God, just like this man on my left, we mutually work together, working with nationals on the ground overseas. We're not better than anyone. We're all serving in this great mission of getting God's word, his good news gospel of Jesus Christ out all around the globe. Isn't that awesome? So, so it works in every area of life. What, what are you called to do? I'm going to pick on my wife. And, and when my wife walked into school in the kindergarten or the first grade, I'm going to be a teacher. She knew she was going to be a teacher. She can't understand why people can't figure out what they want to do. She knew from six years old she wanted to be a teacher. But they didn't let her teach at seven years old. But all through high school, she said, I'm going to be a teacher. She went to college to become a teacher. And she got this certificate to teach preschool and, and kindergarten and then, you know, librarian certificate. But she knew what she wanted to be. But there's a difference between the call and then the sin. She had to go get some hands-on training at the schools before they turned her loose to send her to a classroom. Abraham was called at 75 to be the father of many nations. And he got impatient. And with the God in the flesh. And we're still dealing with Ishmael today. See, and then him and Sarah got 100 years later, 25 years later, you know, when he was 100 is when he had Isaac, the promised son. So you can push it. I've seen people get shipwrecked in every area, trying to start a business before their time, not studying, not knowing, not even working. You know, if you're going to open a restaurant, you might want to work for somebody in a restaurant business instead of just winging it. And so if you're going to learn how to be a painter, you might want to train. And so in every area of life, we're supposed to train, but in ministry as well. But people feel the call, but and there's nothing wrong with going to the, I mean, I, I did the old folks' home I, uh, in a retirement center. Excuse me, let me get correct. But I, uh, homeless shelters, we sang, we preached, whatever. Went to the jail for five years straight. Missed all that football. I don't even remember what teams were playing then. But anyway, uh, it, it's just, you know, every Sunday afternoon. And so there's a training time that God has for us all. And you need to be preparing because God's called you. And you know what? You need to go represent. I'm picking on my wife again. She had a poster in her classroom. It said, study to show yourself approved, dot, dot, dot. Now, if you don't know, that's a scripture. And you're not supposed to have scripture in the public school. But all the Christian people would come up to her and say, uh-huh. I know where you got that from. Uh-huh. And all the Christians would come. But she was, she was putting a little bit of scriptures here and there. And. And, and prayed with kids and talked to kids and counseled kids and gave them, you know, godly advice. And so you're called to go and be a light to the world, to your boss, the one that can't stand and hate your guts. Don't matter. Smile at them. Tell them, you know, you don't have to tell him Jesus loved me. I've worked for bosses that tried to make you sin, tried to make you cuss, want you to fight. I mean, I had one man that tried to hurt you and work in oil fields. He tried to, you know, he had three fingers missing on one hand and he wanted yours to be gone too. That's crazy. And a guy working with me threw, a, you know what, a 24-inch wrench is like that. He got so mad, he threw the wrench at him. Would have killed the man, 
but it hit the handrail before it got to him. That's how, that's how demonic that guy was, and you work for people like that. Don't be that person anyway. Hey, let's go. Let's go. So let's talk about the process, you know, just for a little bit of the calling and uh, the developing. And uh, I do want to, you know, the calling is what, where, and whom. Some of you are called to Whitfield. Some of you are called, like, but like him, he's called around the world, and, and he's led by whether to go to Peru or Brazil uh, or whatever. And I thought it was so cool. They got the, the medallions, like the keys of the city, two cities, two sister cities, and, man, they recognize them that they were changing people's hearts and lives, and they were bringing the gospel, but not only the gospel. They're bringing water filtration and food, and uh, that's pretty awesome. And so, you know, somebody said, you know, you don't want to be seeker-friendly and this and that and the other. Well, one of the greatest uh, uh, men of God at the turn of the century, uh, when he first, before he became a preacher, he got his horse out and led it through town. And all the kids, you want to ride my horse? And he said, go tell, you, go, go tell your mom and dad I'm taking you to church. And he put six kids on that horse. And he'd lead them through town. And yeah, I'm coming back. And he'd tell the other kids I'm coming. He'd drop them off to Sunday school and he'd go back and get more kids. And that was before he had became a powerful preacher. He was just reaching people. And all of us can reach people. And so let's go back just for a second and talk about the importance of relationship. Just for a couple of minutes. Man, relationship, I believe, is the, the key. It's the currency that really moves you forward in the kingdom. And, uh, yeah, if I, if I hadn't had, if we hadn't had a Jerry O'Dell in our lives, he served... T.L. Osborne, faithfully, the right-hand man to he and Sister Daisy, two world-class uh, premier evangelists of that day. Uh, and then Jerry O'Dell went on and served the Hagen family down at Ramah, I believe, seven years working for them. So here's a man that served two of the largest ministries of their day. And I learned so much just sitting around tables, working with him, working in conjunction with him and his vision, his ministry. But because of that, it meant I was up close and in relationship. And Martine, too, we were newlyweds, and we went and did crusades with Jerry and Marilyn O'Dell. And because of sitting around those tables, just lunch table, breakfast table, over in India, in some interesting places, man, just the heart being poured out, just, it changed our lives. And you can't get that from a cassette tape. You can get some things from a CD or an MP3 or cassette tapes aren't around anymore. But a teaching offline, that's why, praise God, there were virtual ways to reach people during all that went on the last few years. But you can never substitute coming together in the body of Christ. Because you get up close and you do life together, you do ministry together, and there's something about being up close with relationships that allow us to be strengthened, be sharpened, but then also to see, ooh, I have a little chink in my armor there. I didn't handle that the best way. And something about being in the body and around each other, uh, there's exchanges made that can come in no other way. I'd learned ministerial ethics at Bible school, but, man, I ran into a situation while co-laboring with Brother Jerry O'Dell. We were all raising money for a similar thing. And he said, John, you can't handle this this exact way. You've got to make sure to do this, this, and this. I'm so glad I was around years ago, a man of God like that, that could show me 
the proper way to navigate things that they couldn't give me, uh, give me instance of in a teaching course in Bible school. It took real-world scenario to walk that out and be able to uh, know how to properly navigate those situations. So, so important not to cut ourselves off from others. We need others, and others need us. The gospel is a, re a relational heart-to-heart -heart exchange that happens when you're up close with people. So, so when you're called, you, you've got this burning desire to go do something, but there's training. <coughs> Excuse me, and we'll close with this. Uh, the, when, you, when you're sent, you have the authority. You, you know how to operate in it because you've seen people that you're under operate in authority, operate in the power or position uh, uh, of the gospel. Uh, you know how to handle the responsibility because it can be heavy. The responsibility, you know uh, how to trust God. You've, you've learned to walk in faith because you've seen the people over you. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? You know, what are we going to do? I mean, we were in Jamaica, and I said, we're going to meet right there in that circle and do our skits, and we're going to present the gospel. Well, what if the cops come? It don't matter if they show up. We're, we're, gonna, we're going there, and, you know, you learn the responsibility as a leader. I said, we're going to step into that until they tell us no. And, and so, you know, it's relationship, but you got to have that mentor. And uh, uh, so just want to challenge you. I hope you all enjoyed this, uh, you know, to learn about what an apostle does today. And uh, they have, how many people have y'all got saved over 25 years? Two? It is approaching 2.5 million face-to-face -face salvations. 2.5 million, y'all. Isn't that awesome? And, 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 and then y'all have miracles? Oh, uh, what's the count, babe? Over 27,000 documented miracles, not just through us, through all the teams that have come out, the 2,700 that we brought out around the world, that, just like that, Pastor's saying. Isn't that awesome? And so, you know, you know, we, we need to believe, you know, we, we don't have the time, but, but you know what? They have no hope other than what the gospel's preached to them. We kind of need to get back to that, don't we? And so, you know, I want you to bow your heads today. Maybe you're sitting in here and you say, you know, I don't know anything about this Jesus. You know, the Apostle Paul was on his way to persecute Christians. And uh, he was, uh, the Lord just struck him. And I'm just believing God to strike you today, not to knock you down or blind you, but that you get struck in your heart that you need Jesus to be Lord of your life. Maybe you've never asked him to be the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. Maybe you've never accepted him as your Savior. I want to ask you today, will you accept him? Look at your heart. Are you sure that you know him? Are you a child of God? If you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life and you want to, will you lift your hand today? Will you say, Pastor, pray with me? Maybe you're here today and you've like neglected the call of God on your life that, you know, that God has, has a plan for you and you've just kind of done your own thing. Maybe you're stirred. Maybe you need to come back to him and just lay your life down before him. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up real quick and put it down? I see your hand, your hand. There's three, four. Man, oh man. And it's not that we just... Uh, and, and Brother John probably confessed, it's not that I, I did it years ago. I daily, Lord, I submit to you today. Help me make this, uh, help me make my life pleasing to you. 
Anyone else want to lift their hand, rededicate their life to God, or answer that call? Let me pray over you. And you just pray this with me. Say, Father, today I submit my life to you. Fresh and new. Stir in me the calling that you have on my life. Whatever it is, whoever I'm called to, thank you, Father, that you prepare me, that you train me, that you lead me and guide me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen.